You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. We'll be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5 this morning. We're going to talk about salt and light. Right? I think most of us know that. You are salt, you are light. But we're going to sort of zero in on that, all right? Matthew 5, 13 through 17. And I was going to, I had started to prepare, I don't know how many times I do this sometimes. Yesterday I was, I put together a message and then I scrapped the whole thing. I won't even hit save on my computer. I'll just erase it all, hit delete. <laughs> I was going to talk about Bible study and the importance of that, you know, but I think we should know that. I hit upon it a lot, especially the interpretation. So, but it's a fundamental discipline. And I believe there are fundamental disciplines that we have in our lives as Christians. So it's to benefit us to grow, to have a healthy Christian life. You know, so Bible study, I believe, is essential. And if you want to know God's voice, right? And there's a lot of people, as Olivia and I were discussing last night, I was like, it's funny how there's so many people to be like, how do I know if that's God? You know, when you're praying or you're, you're seeking something and you want to, I want to know I'm hearing from God. And people, there's so many different answers or teachings on that. And the simplest of all is, if you want to know God's voice, then read the Bible. Right? Because that's the place to hear his voice first and to get to know it. That way you'll recognize it in your life. So, I mean, it's, it's simplistic, but we want to overcomplicate things sometimes. So we have Bible study uh, is essential. And there's prayer and there's fellowship with other believers. And all of these are important. All of these are essential to a healthy Christian life. So we need to spend uh, time in, in the Word of God some are going to tell you we should do it each day or have a plan. You, that's up to you. I'm not going to say what you should do, but we do need time in the word. We need to understand it and know what he's saying. As we do, we come to understand our God better and ourselves much better. All right. So in the word, we will find the truth that will set us apart to God and from the world. And we need to spend time with God in prayer. And as we pray, we declare our dependence or dependency upon him. We give thanks for all he has done. And we look to him to provide for our needs. And we also need each other. Right. We know this. We need to we need the love. We need the support of one another. We even need the correction and the encouragement from one another as well. So. As we are faithful to be involved in each of these, you know, disciplines, and I always hate that word, but because it has a negative connotation today, but it's a discipline. You're just making a routine out of these things 
that better yourself. And as we do that on a regular basis, we grow in our walk with the Lord. As a result of that, we'll be an influence to those around us. may not be that much of an influence, but we will. There's something that's going to influence somebody somewhere. All right, so that's another fundamental discipline. We are called to be salt and light. Call it evangelism, outreach, influence, whatever you want to call it, but it boils down to the same thing. Our faith is to have an impact on the people around us, on the world, if you will, in which we live. So we as believers are called to influence society, culture, and the world. All right, so we'll look at what Jesus says here. Uh, well, it's actually 13 through 16 of Matthew 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may say your good, see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so we are called to be salt first. The principal function of salt, has anybody heard it? Do we know what salt, why it means, why he used salt back then? Preserved things, right? Uh, it preserved food. And it, it acted as an antiseptic as well, and it had a healing effect, all right? So the believer, now first and foremost, just to point the context, I mean, he's speaking to many people with this as a disciple, as a disciple, but we're disciples of Christ, okay? So believers, we, we are called then a function as salt in an individual sense. We are to be an influence by our life and our character by being Christians, by being Christ-like, in every sphere in which we find ourselves living in, you know, uh, by by being that way, by being Christ-like, we influence society almost automatically. Someone who is Christ-like radiates his influence, his word. Um, it permeate, permeates any group in which they happen to be in. Now, of course, what about those who are at home? They're they're bedridden or they're sick or they're you know, all that type of stuff this isn't a burdensome type of thing there's some people who can't do this there's some people that uh may only be able to interact with whoever cares for them or somebody on the phone that's fine but you can still be salt and light in that way but not every you know it's not like hey i'm telling you guys to look at yourself and go oh no i'm not salt and light i'm not trying to make anyone feel bad here all <laughs> right but there are those people that who just can't do some of these things, man. They, uh, they sure, they, I'm sure they did it in their life uh, before they come to where they're at now, stuck, stuck in a, a nursing home or a living assisted place or people who are just sick. There's people who are scared of other people and stuff too. So, you know, we, we take that in consideration. It's just not across the board to everybody. But I think you guys know that. And, uh, but I try to make those those points clear just so somebody doesn't call me out on it <laughs> so so we know though the church right the church makes her great 
pronouncements about many things, abortion, pornography, homosexuality, and other major issues, okay? And most of the time, the average person is not affected by those pronouncements, all right? But if you have a Christ-like individual working in a, a, a shop, an office, a school, anywhere else, then they can have an effect on others around them. It may not be a very positive one at first on some of these issues, but there will be something in which they're going to notice. So you have to ask ourselves, and this is sort of a result of things that have transpired this week, me thinking about it, but what, what will have more impact on a woman who is considering having an abortion? Right? The preaching of the church against abortion or a caring individual who lovingly shares with that woman what the Bible says about abortion and then helps her to think through some alternatives, right? Don't misunderstand me. We are to preach against a handful of things. But most of the time, here's the issue. I'm preaching to believers. You guys are already in agreement with me. It's not going to change anything, right? We preach to the believers. The world doesn't listen to us, but it watches you, all right? How about sexuality? Okay, so... My rant, I won't go too far on this. (laughs) I've heard it way too often from the church and from the Christian that the homosexual is disgusting and repulsive. So how does that impact someone for the kingdom? If somebody already knows that you think that they are disgusting, then why would you expect them to listen to you about your loving Savior? That's all I'm going to say on that. It's okay to say, I don't believe homosexual lifestyle is is right. That's okay. But when you go further, that's disgusting, it's repulsive, I hate it. Because I hear people say this. They are filled with hate for some of these people. We, we can't expect to reach those people if they know that we think these things. All right? I, I have homosexual friends. They know how I feel, but I love them. I hang out with them. I talk to them. So uh, we need to fix that gap. And it's just a hard situation across the board anyway. It's very difficult. All right. But think about what would have more impact there. Okay. So you have to ask, what good is salt if it has no flavor? None. Jesus said, if Christians don't influence the world, they're good for nothing there. The salt is no good according to that, that verse we looked at. And even if salt does have flavor, then it's no good if it doesn't leave the salt shaker, right? <laughs> so we're not to isolate ourselves from the world. If we're going to have an influence in the world, then we are in it. We live in it. We do. We've got new Christian programs to get kids, young people, and adults away from the non-Christian world, all right? And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's not. I have nothing against them. But it's hard to be effective if you're not in a place where the salt can make contact and where the light can be seen, right? So what good is the covered light? What good is a believer who is not shining in their world, right? Neither serves any purpose. 
So I think the order in which Jesus puts these is important. We are to be salt first, then light. The first effect of a Christian is a general one. As a Christ-like individual lives in the world, he's going to affect his environment. And it's only after that that he has this specific and particular function then as acting as the light, right? In other words, when you look through scripture and dealing with the believer, it, it always emphasizes first what he is or who he is before it begins to speak of what the function of the Christian does. So it's my Christian behavior that should cause people to say there's something unusual about me or that, oh, you know, they may not even think that I'm a Christian, but he seems to have high morals. He seems to be <laughs> at first it could be like he's very strict. He seems to be a very strict or nitpicky guy. But they'll notice there's something different. All right. Then as they watch my conduct, they watch my behavior. They see my my actions and my reactions. They begin to ask me questions. All right. So here is where the element of light then comes out. I am now able to speak to them and possibly teach them. And this happens a lot in my line of work. Uh, it happens all the time because I'm in people's homes. I get to know them uh, year after year. I mean, I, every month I go to these people's homes. I get to interact with them. They call me, uh, you know, a member of their family a lot of times. But I have many conversations with people who are Christians, with people who are atheists, agnostics, uh, homosexuals, uh, transgender people, and Satanists, believe it or not. They're around. They're full on. I was at a place... Friday, full-on satanic altar in his house. All right? Uh, the whole, everything, just, they're around. There's satanic Bibles in houses. There's witches. I know witches. I know two of them. <laughs> they're all over. You, you, yeah. So they're all over. People will see that you're different somehow. I don't walk into their house going... Hey, praise Jesus, it's a good day, right? I don't do that. But they start to notice, why, like, why are you always smiling? Why are you so happy? Sometimes it's just about how I act, how I handle our communication and my interactions with them. It usually leads to a conversation at some point. So that right then to talk intimately to another person becomes available. And so I'm talking, can get to talk to them about Jesus, and it usually has to be earned, okay? That's the thing most of us don't understand, I think. That right usually has to be earned. Whether we like it or not, then our lives should always be the first thing that speak to these people. Because if our lips speak more than our lives, it will avail very little. And so the tragedy has been that people proclaim the gospel in their words, but their whole life, their whole behavior is a denial of the gospel, right? When we are supposed to be the salt and light, the two should always go together. But I do believe that order is important. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then you, that was in John 8. And then you put that with the text in Matthew 5. 
It, that's the only time in Scripture where believers are called the light. Okay, so it's applied in John by our Lord, um, or in Matthew by our Lord to believers only as they shine with His light of the gospel upon the world. And Paul speaks of let let light shine out of darkness, right? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. So as salt, we retard corruption. As light, we shine forth the gospel of Jesus. We're to do both. And Matthew says in verse 16 that God is glorified then by our good works. So we as believers are called to do this influence, have this influence in our world. And we see this fleshed out in scripture. We see it in the disciples then turned apostles lives. We see it through the rest of it in the early church. We are to live these lives and thus affect our world. And we are also to share the gospel. God has put the responsibility then of sharing that glorious news, that good news, the gospel, it's in our hands, right? Romans 10, 14 and 15, it says, How then will they call on him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. See, people cannot believe what they haven't heard. They won't hear without having a preacher. And it doesn't have to just be the guy that's given the message on Sunday. You're a preacher as well. All of you, right? Believe it or not, there are people around in this area I have talked to before. Well, you know, the problem sin, Adam and Eve, the fall in the garden. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what? You know, like, seriously, you've never heard of Adam and Eve? They've never heard it, ever. That's weird, right? We think that's weird, but they had no influence whatsoever, ever. They, no one in their family went to church. Nobody knew of the Bible. They knew of a God, but they didn't know the stories. None of it. Very interesting. They, we live in the Midwest. We just are like, everybody knows it, right? They don't. I mean, especially we're the Bible Belt, right? <laughs> no, not everybody knows. So they can't believe what they've not heard. Okay, so they're not going to hear it without being told. Okay. Now, Isaiah speaks of the new covenant and he puts it in these words. And it's Isaiah 12, 4 through 6. It says, And I will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done, uh, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So the truth of the salvation of Jesus, his ministry, what he's done, the new covenant has been made known to us. We're to spread it. 
The light is not meant to be hidden under anything. It's meant to shine, and it's our business to see that it shines, right? So I know the question is, how do you, exactly do you do that? First, you be salt. You live the Christian life. Get in the Word. Understand it. If you're to live, and um, if you are living an un, ungodly or an unloving life, and then you try to tell people about God, they usually laugh at you. They call you judgmental. They'll say you're a hypocrite and all these things. And the issue is they don't want to understand that Christians aren't sinless. <laughs> you know, how many times have you heard, well, that guy, I heard he's a, supposed to be a Christian, but he did this. Yeah, okay. Like, you probably sinned the other day too. I mean, you know, I, I, I sin. Right? We, we want to use that word hypocrite a lot. The world definitely does, but the church does as well too. I don't think people really understand. I mean, that's really saying you're one thing and being completely opposite. Right? But they will usually like this. <clears throat> so if your life's a mess, they just view you as a mess. <laughs> they view you as a hypocrite most of the time. Right? So it is the way that we live does affect the way our message is received. However, however, it is should be clear to say that, you know, I am a sinner saved by grace, but I'm also a new creation. I don't think you know what the word hypocrite is. <laughs> so we are to adorn the gospel by our lives. All right. And we need to understand also that salvation is of the Lord. Right. Though it is our responsibility to proclaim the gospel, we must never forget that it is God who saves. He does the same. Right. It's not up. It's not up to you. It's not up to me to make converts. We are not to use gimmicks. We're not to do different things to coerce anyone to believe in the gospel. We are simply to proclaim it. That's our, our great privilege and responsibility is to share with others that glorious truth that Christ died to pay for sin, the sin debt. It's God that opens their hearts for them to believe. All right. Now, everybody here, you know your salvation is of the Lord. You thank God because you know that he is the one who saved you, right? And we pray for people to be saved because we know that it's only God that can save them. I can only give them the message. I can only tell them the gospel. So understanding this can take away what many people have had of guilt or pressure of thinking that if you didn't say it just right or you didn't try hard enough, then that person may end up dying and going to hell tonight. That's not up to you. Okay? It should give us joy of sharing freely and confidently the truth of the gospel, knowing that we do not do the saving, but it is God who does the saving. OK, so the gospel is simply God saves sinners. So God. All right. And I'll break this down through those three words. God saves sinners. God. All right. The triune Jehovah. All right. The father, the son and the spirit. Three persons working together. 
in their sovereign wisdom and their power and love to achieve the salvation of a, a person. The Father choosing and reconciling, the Son fulfilling the Father's will by redeeming, and the Spirit executing the purpose of the Father and the Son by renewing. That's God. All right. The word saves then. Saves does everything first to last that is involved in bringing man from death in sin to life in glory. It calls, it keeps, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies. And then sinners or men as God finds them helpless and powerless, unable to lift a finger to do God's will or to better their spiritual condition. This is the gospel. God saves sinners. Our responsibility is to share that good news with them. And we share with those who are interested. Don't beat them over the head with your gospel stick. <laughs> Don't try to drag them to church. You can invite them. That's fine. All right. But where in the life of Jesus and the apostles do you see them chasing people through the streets? Right. Trying to share the gospel with them. They went to the synagogue first. Who was going to the synagogue? You know? If you have an opportunity and the people are open, and then you share with them as much as they are willing to receive. Don't give them more than they ask for. All right? For an example here. If someone asks you just a random biblical question, don't... And this is where I have a hard part. I want to turn it all into a sermon to them. Don't preach at them for, for an hour. Just answer the question, <laughs> right? If they want to know more, they're going to ask. So if you dump the whole gospel dump truck on them, when they ask you a question, they may not feel free to come back with other questions, all right? And so you, then you realize also that the gospel is the power of God, all right? Just like the salvation, he does it. Like we often have the ad attitude of like, what's the use? They won't believe the gospel. They don't, won't trust in Christ, but why not? You did, right? You did. So Jesus told us in the parables that the kingdom of God would start small. It would grow to huge proportions, like the mustard seed that grows into the tree. I talk about it all the time, just last week, right? It started small. It filled the whole known world. The church fills the earth today. It keeps growing, a brief survey of the progress of the gospel from the earliest period until the present day will demonstrate its power. One author estimated that by the close of the um, apostolic period, the total number of Christians had already reached half a million. During the early days, Paul preached the gospel further and further westward until he had finally reached Rome. When he had reached Rome, he was as a prisoner. But even his imprisonment was a help to him. It wasn't a hindrance. And it helped him to spread the good news. So salt and light, this is part of the calling of the Christian life. And we have a tremendous joy that we are actually entrusted with. With the proclamation of the glorious gospel of the blessed God who has blessed us in Jesus and so I'm not going to ask, hey, are you being salt and light? I just encourage you to all to be salt and light in the areas in which you have influence, right? If it's just at home, it's at home in your marriage, right? We can be salt and light to one another because that encourages and edifies. 
So I would just encourage all to be salt and light in the areas in which we have influence. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We know Paul wasn't, and he said, it is the power of God for everyone who believes.